does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Halfway through the 12 o'clock hour on a Wednesday, Jake Quarry along with Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison here as well. Jimmy, are you starting to get nervous yet for the AFC title game? Yes. Oh, yeah. M- Monday, enjoy it all. And everybody's going to talk because, you know, I'm just a little flower over here, Jake. And everybody's going to talk glowingly about the Chiefs. But now we're in Baltimore's a great team. And a lot of advanced rankings and, and even your basic rankings, they're viewed as one of the best defensive units in a long time. Definitely the best this year. Uh, Kansas City has great defense, too. But, yeah, there's there's nerves for sure. I'm going to ask James Boyd, who joins us now from The Athletic, uh, this question regarding the AFC title game or just the AFC playoffs in general. Uh, James, first off, appreciate the time. I'll, I'll, I'll start with this. When we look at the postseason, after a season of watching the Colts perform, do you find when you watch the teams that are still alive – that Indianapolis is really pretty close, or did it more illuminate areas where they have a lot of work to do? I think it's probably the latter for me, just because they weren't a playoff team. Obviously, it was a promising season. It was a good season, but I can't sit here and say, oh, they're so close to being you know, a contender or you know, a move here, move there away from winning two playoff games. I can't go that far, but it is a promising start to the Shane Steichen era. Obviously, Anthony Richardson's health has a lot to do with everything, but um, you know, no need to be a little overzealous so far. James, where do you view the balance of power right now in the AFC South when you look at Jacksonville crumbling down the stretch, Houston taking advantage of it, C.J. Stroud looking every bit as good as he was touted to be, even though there were doubters about what he would do in the NFL, and then the Colts with Anthony Richardson on a de facto rookie year. We'll leave the Titans out of it. Sorry about Will Levis. Anyway, uh, AFC South, where do, you, where do you view the balance of power there? I do think it belongs with the Titans. I'm oh, sorry, not the Titans. The Texans. I'm, you have me messing up. My fault. Jimmy. My fault. But the Texans. I'm sorry, listeners out there. Not the Titans. But the Texans, because of PJ Stroud, I was convinced he was good after the Week Two game, and then the Week 18 game, I was like, oh, he's a dude. And then I was talking the playoffs, I was like, oh, he's really good. So I think they feel really good about their future. Obviously, you can't count out Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence. You want to see more from them if you're that franchise, but he did battle through a lot of injuries this past year, so I don't know if this is like a one-off for him. It's something that we have to keep an eye on as far as the injury history goes, but those two, I think, are still um, atop the leaderboard because they know what they have with their quarterback. I don't think Anthony Richardson can't get to that level. We just don't know, and the unknown for me kind of knocks him down a little bit. James, let's talk about the unknown real quick here. Um I've asked each, you know, it's a it's a slippery slope, but I've asked each Colts writer that we've had on about this subject because it's kind of the elephant in the room. Um, to your knowledge, what is the latest? I heard last night, you know, WTHR got a hold of the 911 call from Jim Mercer's residence from back in December. I did hear that last night. But in terms of his health or his status, is there any update? I don't have one for you. Obviously, I've been praying for Jim Irsay. I want the best for Jim Irsay. I will reiterate, though, that you know, having looked at the police documents and reports from 
the December 8th suspected overdose, everything in the household was prescription drugs. I know people kind of jump to conclusions and say, oh, well, it could have been this, could have been that. You know, we don't know what may have caused this, you know, if it was an addiction or if it was just a mistake. So I would just say before you jump to conclusions and you, you know, judge people based off their past, you just keep in mind that you don't know everything. We don't know everything. And so and praying for Jim Mercer, want him to get better, obviously, and hoping to see him real soon, you know, back into action and tweeting and talking about his team only the way he can. James, I know that, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, with The Athletic, James Boyd is our guest, Colts beat writer, and hybrid now doing Pacers, or are we attaching Pacers beat writer title to you? Have you reached that point again yet? Look, man, I had to prove myself, I felt like, a little bit that I could handle the Colts on my own, and now I got a little more sway in the, you know, in the office. So excited to be helping out the Pacers here um, a lot more often just because of the, the time difference, you know, being in the office with the Colts. But I'll be around more, you know, All-Star Weekend, but just a playoff run, all those things. So excited to be, uh, I guess, a hybrid again. <laughs> well, it's great to have your coverage back on the Pacers side of things. What did you think last night in the home debut of Siakam and a lot to unpack? There, the third quarter that was really, really ugly for the Pacers, but then they have chances late. What were your takeaways? I thought it was a good game. I know everyone, not everyone, but a few people were, you know, like, oh man, they got to win a game or they made this trade, they haven't won yet. Obviously, Halliburton not being there factors into the equation, but if you go back and look at that fourth quarter last night, I thought that Siakam made every right play that you possibly could, especially when he's getting double teamed. It just came down to making shots, you know, Miles Turner, Aaron Neesmith. Um, some of these guys just had to make a three, and if they made one of these three, which the Deutsche Pacers normally do, they win that game. They knock off the champs, and the whole hair this morning is a lot different. So I think it was a good performance from him, good performance from the team, and they're still trying to figure each other out because there were times where I was like, wait a second, why is, you know, Andrew Nimhard dribbling for 10 seconds, get the ball to Siakam, and get out of the way? Because if there's one person I think that can help their half-court offense when it does get stagnant, it's that guy because he can go get his own shot. So it was a good game. Good performance. You want to, you know, keep it on Halliburton, his health going forward. We obviously know the all-NBA implications of him missing a bunch of time, but from a team perspective, it's hard to evaluate the trade because they haven't been together to play enough, and they won't, you know, have that opportunity this week. So just uh, everyone relax, deep breaths, and remember that uh, they traded for Siakam because he's a really good player, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time for you to see it, you know, result in some wins. They need to win some games, though, here as of late. James Boyd of the Athletic is our guest. Uh, James, with the Siakam deal, what would you say is a fair number on number of games? And, and let, let's say Halliburton comes back Sunday. That might be aggressive, but let's just say for the sake of this point that Tyrese Halliburton comes back on Sunday. Um, what would you say is a fair number of games that they have to play with one another before you can get a real feel as to what Indiana looks like post-trade? I would say about 15. I know that's probably not what everyone wants to hear, but I would definitely say it has to be at least 10, preferably 15, to see, you know, just all the ebbs and flows of the NBA life. You know what I mean? Like, okay, how does it look when you're in a tight game, when you're in a blowout, um, when you're humming, when you're not humming? Like, how do all those things work out? And I think also when you look at what's happened with the team, you know, we talk about the offense, how he's going to help them, all those things, but defensively, what does he bring to the table? How does it change the rotations and things like that? How does everyone adjust around him? So I think there's so many factors that go into it that 15 games would be a good barometer 
for this. And also because 15 games at that point, you're getting down to, you know, playoff seating and stuff like that. So you want to know who you are before you get to those nitty-gritty games and obviously the playoffs. You think it's more so Siakam learning his teammates and their tendencies on the floor or the teammates learning Siakam? I think it's more so him. Because even last night there were times where I thought he was a bit passive where maybe he wouldn't have been in Toronto because he's the, already the guy. But you can see in certain moments, it's like, you know, do I be aggressive? He said it after the game. You know, when do I be aggressive? When do I, you know, uh, trust my teammates? And I thought he did a good job of that last night. But there's probably moments where he could have been more aggressive where he's probably thinking to himself, I'm the new guy. I don't want to step on any toes. I don't want to, you know, make anybody think that I don't trust them or I'm a ball hog or anything like that. But I think when Halliburton comes back and as long as Ricardo's in his ear, He's going to tell him, hey, we traded for you to be the all-NBA player, to be the 20-point per game scorer, to be a, you know, switchable defender, all these things. So be yourself. And it sounds, you know, cliche, but it's true. I mean, they didn't trade for anybody else other than him to come out there and play at his, you know, his level, his style of play. So I'm excited for it. It takes time. It's not, you know, easy. And plus, they haven't practiced it all either. I'm actually outside the facility today because they have a little bit of a practice today. It's like their first real one, I think, since they traded for him because they've been on the road so much. Back to the Colts, James Boyd of The Athletic. Take me through the offseason and what it looks like. I guess a two-part question. What does this offseason look like for Anthony Richardson, and how would it look different had he never been hurt? I think he gave us a glimpse. He said he would take a little bit of a vacation, but no vacation for him. He's, as he put it, all gas to the floor, excited to get back. I think a lot of it just has to do with his health. I mean, had he played all year – then you will be working with a much larger sample size of film on him. But by now, I would imagine he probably looked at his film and his plays, you know, 20 times over, if not more, because he has so much time during the season. So now it's about getting healthy and then trying to build on a season where you didn't have as much experience as you wanted to. So you're trying to maybe uh, make up for it or kind of guesstimate how you should build the next, as opposed to a guy like TJ Stroud, where you know, He's been through every situation so far, or a lot more than Nancy Richardson. So a lot of it is health, and I think beyond that is just how much can you build on your maybe mental reps to prepare yourself for what's to come. Because we didn't get a chance to see, you know, him adjust to an offense in real time, or I mean, or adjust to a defense rather in real time in a real game. You know, over or, or even over a few period of weeks, it was just kind of the start and stop. Whereas now he's got a chance to reset. Hopefully stay healthy for the future, and then we'll get a real glimpse of him, you know, come this fall. James Boyd is our guest, covers the Colts as well as the Pacers now for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at RomeoVilleKid. James, I know this is getting close to your favorite time of year. How long before we get that Romeoville 1.0 mock draft? And if you have not started that process yet, uh, any any names that catch your eye? Have you looked at all in terms of where the Colts, in terms of 15, what might be available for them? Yeah, I actually reacted to one of our mock drafts, and I got the greatest reaction because people were telling me, oh, I love this, and then people were telling me, I hate this. And I'm like, yes, it's mock draft season. So <laughs> for me, I think um, I'm still kind of filling out some offseason stuff. I got some other stories I'm working on. But I would say probably after the Super Bowl, you can expect me to buckle down really in around combine time to start doing some mock drafts and really – you know, leaning heavily into, like, film, you know, draft, you know, ratings and grades and stuff like that. But um, I'm excited about it. I, I say it all the time. My draft is the biggest scam 
in American history, as far as I'm concerned, because everyone just loses their mind over fake picks. But it sells, man. It gets clicks. It gets people talking. And it's a fun exercise. It, it teaches me anything, um, if anything, about, you know, the new draft class coming up. So um, I would just say everyone relax. But as far as players go, I think Brock Bowers is the name you hear from everybody. Um, I got a little bit of a tip for chat last week with some fans. I will say this on air. If he drops to 15, the Colts take him, and everyone be quiet because he's a really good player, and they could use him at tight end. That's all I'll say about that. Marvin Harrison, Jr., I know everyone's like, oh, they're going to trade up for him. No, they will not. Do you want a building in Indianapolis? Do you want a, a stadium? Do you want nice things around the facility? Because if they don't if – you know, if you want Marvin Harrison, Jr., Jimmy, it's going to cost <laughs> all of that. So you're going to have Marvin Harrison, Jr., John and Taylor – Anthony Richardson, and maybe like one football to practice with, with no players. So, no, Marvin Harrison Jr. will not be a Colts, but Brock Bowers, possibly. We'll see. Hey, James, you never know what happens when you pick up that phone, right? I mean, you, you, you just never know. You never know if there's going to be an no. offer that you just can't refuse. Well, we'll look forward look, to that. Obviously, <laughs> I'm, I'm praying for Jim Ursay to get better, but I do think I want to hear his thoughts on you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. Because there is one guy who is trying to pull off his yeah. trade. It is. <laughs> we were going to drift towards this area eventually, but you oftentimes, in friendly banter ways, James Boyd is our guest, covers all things Colts and Pacers now for The Athletic. As an Illinois guy, you often get into it on Twitter with a lot of fan bases, but especially Indiana. Are you uh, are you, are you are you are you are you digging any graves at this point? Or are you keeping you know steady the James Boyd that we all know? Look, I have learned that making people mad who help keep you employed probably isn't a good idea. But um, I will say this, you know, my Illinois top 10, 14 and 4, not too bad. I'll take that. And so I'm looking forward to that matchup, that game, obviously. But I do think that people are kind of a bit overstated with some of the Mike Woodson talk. I do think they have to play better. He has to be accountable for some of these, you know, in-game adjustments and things like that, which is so frustrating for this fan base. However, you lost two NBA players last year, so it wasn't going to be some smooth transition. They can play better. They should play better. And I do think that I feel the fans when they say that IU should be a perennial tournament team, which is not, you know, shouldn't be some hard, you know, ask considering the history of the program, what basketball means in this state. But um, again, I'm just I'm leaning more towards don't panic. You know, it's a reset year. If they come back next year, and you're like, oh my god, what happened? Then I think you need to ask some serious questions. But for now, you know, relax and remember where you were. You gotta go with two NBA players. Hey James, your Super Bowl pick, go. The Baltimore Ravens over the Detroit Lions. I'm going for all the feel good stories. I think Lamar wants to shut up all the doubters, all the haters who says he's a glorified running back. And I think Detroit is like probably the best overall, you know, sports story right going on right now with everything that city went through to get back to this point. So those are my picks. Again, Baltimore over Detroit, Lamar Jackson, two world MVP and everyone can kind of uh get off his back and recognize that he's a truly great, you know, potential Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, I, I love the I would love to see Detroit get in. I think most people would, right? Um if Detroit were to win in San Francisco, would it be because because of Detroit or because San Fran, because of what San Francisco didn't do? In other words, truth be told, man to man across the board, do, is Detroit can they hang with San Francisco, or are we relying on with that prediction, say a Brock Purdy letdown? 
probably the latter. I think Brock Purdy's a really good player. I don't think he's on the level of Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. He's a really good player. Deserves a ton of credit for getting them to the NFC Championship. But I'm banking on, you know, it's more of a heart pick than a head pick. I just like Detroit, what they've been through. But if they are going to pull it off, it's probably because they're going to get some, you know, timely turnover, a fluky balance on a punt or something like that that swings the game in their favor and they capitalize on it. And then they also play mistake-free football where they're not turning it over to the 49ers who have a great defense. So that's kind of where I fall on that. James Boyd of The Athletic is our guest. James, tell me what other stuff you've got that you're working on or that we can see upcoming that you'll be writing about? I would say just stay tuned for more free agency stuff that I'm working on. Um, I have a Shane Steichen piece that I've been uh, working at diligently. It feels like I'm trying to dig into this guy's life and who he is and just trying to give you all something new about him. So I'm excited about that piece, which will be coming out in a few weeks. And then also just, um, as Jimmy said, just working on mock draft stuff and getting ready for the most visceral reaction that I ever get every year because everyone gets mad or happy about picks that aren't real, but I love it. Hey, James, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think would upset your following more? Simulating a trade in one of your mocks up to get Marvin Harrison Jr. or a trade back into the second round? I think a trade back. I think a trade back would have everyone in my mentions saying, <laughs> you know, why did they hire this guy? Get him out of my state. He's just messing with my feelings. But you know what, Jimmy? You might be onto something because you know me. I like to, you know, ruffle a few feathers. You're not afraid to stir every now and again, especially when it's mock season. I mean, hey, and then there is a history of Chris Ballard trading back, right? which is very real. No. So, you know, you might be writing my story for me right now. I don't know. <laughs> hey, we, we 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 can speak over it. Uh, get drinks sometimes. There's some uh, commission of a uh, Bud Light or something like that. We we, we go there, Diet Coke, whatever. There you go. I'll, I'll give you a byline credit as well. James, last thing for me, as you as you switch from Colts to Pacers and back and forth, as you look at this, what, next two games without Tyrese Halliburton, what's one thing you want to see from the Pacers that maybe you have not seen already with the arrival of Siakam? I think probably just more offensive fluidity. I think they get stagnant in certain moments, especially late in games. Obviously, it's hard because you're so used to Tyrese Halliburton running the show. He is probably the best pure passing point guard in the NBA right now, but I just want to see a little bit more motion. At one point early in the game, there was just not a lot of ball movement, not a lot of assists, not a lot of Pacers basketball happening. So um, I think that comes with time, comes with repetition, and I'm excited for those guys to get out there and just play well and, and obviously give this city you know, at least one win during this homestand to get kind of that monkey off their back. James, appreciate it as always, and we'll look for the versatility of the writing between the Pacers and the Colts, but certainly appreciate the time today. Appreciate it, man. It took a little while to get the rust off, and it was a later kickoff, east of 1 p.m., but it was uh, not even kickoff, tip-off. I'm already messing up, but That's I right. appreciate it. That's right. Yeah, you gotta, you're in the witching hours now, man. Welcome to uh, – <laughs> trust me, if anybody, James, I can tell you that your body adjusts quickly. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Joining us, one of our favorites. He covers all things NFL for NFL Network as a host over there, as well as a part of Sirius XM, an analyst on IU Football Radio Network. Rhett Lewis joins us. Rhett, how are you? Sorry about that. I hear you. I was uh, I was had, had myself on mute there. A little Zoom habit. How you guys doing? Doing great. How are you? 
Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Rhett, first question, it's random, but it's about the mock drafts. <laughs> okay. The past couple years, at least based on your bio and the articles they attach to you on NFL Network, it's always just the 1.0. And it's in April. And obviously you're, you're studying across the board and you're following everything. But is that because right. mock draft season is the chaotic what it is and you just want the one-off because, hey, it's a week or two or maybe a day or two before the draft. This is my final thought. Or why? Why, why just the 1.0? Well, um, you know, I, I do like having the, the final word on it, you know, in dra- during draft week. Although last year they did force me to do it a little bit earlier. Um, but I, you know what? It's just uh, if we want to keep things special, right? Want to keep things unique, want to keep things real. You know, if you got six different mock drafts, you probably got six different scenarios of how the whole thing's going to go. And so. You know, you're either um, you're either playing up, you know, all the different possibilities so that you can always point back to one of them and say, look, I told you I got it right. Um, whereas, you know, I, I like having just one shot at it. You know, let's uh, let's see. Let's see how good we can get with it. And usually I'm not that great at it, but it, it's a it's a crapshoot, man. I, I do enjoy the mock drafts, though. I really do. Brett, with where Indianapolis is drafting yeah. and the fact that by that, I mean, and I, I, I think that it's the 18th. Is that where they are? Uh, oh gosh! 15th. Yeah, 15th. 15th. Right okay, so 15th. So with 15th, Indianapolis yeah. drafting 15th, Rhett, they yeah. what player or what position? Let's just say hypothetically that they go best player available. I don't think that's going to be the case, but let's say they go best player available. There's going to be a run on what position, and that would allow for you to get perhaps still the very best yeah. first choice at what position around 15. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good question because it's a real intriguing spot. Um, as I'm uh, as I'm looking, you know, as I've been looking at the draft orders and all this, I I think you could get a real run on quarterbacks right before the Colts come off the board. So I think the quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three, uh, and it'll be you know Caleb Williams, uh, Drake May, Jaden Daniels in some order there, and then I think you could legitimately get another three of them off the board before the 16th pick, considering the- where the and yeah, the Colts are probably be hoping for that, right? The Colts are probably thinking, hey, load up, right? Load up. We're good here, and this is going to allow us to get a, a better positional player, if you will, in that case. And, you know, you, you could get a scenario where, you know, one of those top edge rushers, you know, falls down there, lay off to, lot to, uh, you know, you can never get after the quarterback enough. Um, even though you know the Colts have done pretty well in that uh, in that regard here recently, but you can't you know can't have enough good edge rushers in this league. And then I really think you're going to start to kick off a run on tackles right there. Um, I've been talking with my buddies Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks uh, all week on the Move the Six podcast, and you know the one thing that we have talked about a bunch as an overriding theme is this is going to, this year could probably will probably break the record for the number of offensive tackles that get drafted in the first round. Uh, at this point, we see eight going off the board in the first 32 picks. Um, also feel like that could very well be, you know, a spot um, where, you know, teams look because of the strength of that position, you know, guys that if you have a tackle who you feel good about, but not great, it may offer you an opportunity to either try to kick that player inside, move them off to the right side, or just upgrade in general um, because there is real strength at that position. Otherwise, I think you really got to look at the wide receivers there. Brian Thomas is available from LSU. Uh, you know, depending on what happens with Michael Pittman in the offseason, I think that could be a real choice for the Colts too.
Now, I isn't there also a wide receiver out of Florida State that's supposed to go around that that time frame? Yeah, Keon Coleman. Yep, Keon Coleman, big body guy, transferred in from Michigan State. Um, definitely has you know great ball skills. It, it does kind of represent like a Michael Pittman type body, if you will. I think maybe just a, a touch more explosive, perhaps. But yeah, definitely could see Keon Coleman in that range this year in this draft. Rhett Lewis, you are if you are in the market for what position would you be most in trouble? In other words, the position that offers you the least if it's what you're looking for this year? I think it's safety. Uh, I I don't think we're going to see a ton of safeties go off the board early. I don't know that I've seen any go off the board in the first 32 picks at this point. Again, it's early. You could have some guys really shine in the all-star game settings, which are coming up here this week. Uh, And in fact, just looking at the way that the Senior Bowl in particular handled the safety position, they went and got a ton of the underclassmen that came out. And there's not a lot of underclassmen, period, that came out this year, about half as many as we normally see, which – really hurts the depth of the class overall, not just on day three, but on day two as well, like rounds two and three. And so I think the safety position is one where that, um, where the, the depth of this class is not big. Um, I don't know that this is a, a, a super strong linebacker class, like off the ball linebacker class. Um, like, I don't, you know, I don't know if there's a, a, a Shaq Leonard, you know, floating around there in the second round. Uh, although I'd love if I was the Colts, get my hands on a great Indiana Hoosier Aaron Casey somewhere, uh, maybe late day two, early day three. I was going to be playing in the Shrine Bowl. was a great player in the Big Ten. Uh, just a, a couple of thoughts on that front for you, Jake. Rhett Lewis is our guest of NFL Network. You can follow him on Twitter at RhettNFL. Jake just asked you a second ago about offensive tackles and premium positions yeah. of where there's going to be potentially a lot of availability, but oftentimes whether it's a clear need like a tackle or whether it's a clear want like a stellar wide receiver, that's the discussions that go on in those war rooms, especially in the first and second round. What are you doing? Are you battling for need or are you battling for the high upside luxury pick that, that you just want to have? You feel like you can build an offense around when you look at that, ebb and flow between teams that are in the top 10 versus the prospects that are there. Is it wide receiver once again that has the most eye candy of, oh, we don't necessarily need that, but boy, would we want it on our team. Yeah, I, I think um, I think wide receiver is definitely a, a deal that like I think you know we talked about quarterbacks going one two three, which certainly feels like that's the way that this is going to go as of right now. I think you could legitimately see wide receivers go four five six. And you're talking about Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze, and Malik Neighbors. That's how good they are. Um, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Brock Bowers check in at some point there just because of the immense athleticism and kind of versatile skill set that he provides from a tight end spot for teams really put, placing a value on that position. So certainly, certainly wouldn't mind seeing him, you know, go up there in the top ten as well. Um, but I, I do think you'll see – the three quarterbacks, I think you'll see those three wide receivers, and then I think you'll see two to three tackles and probably Dallas Turner, the edge rusher from Alabama, all go in the top ten. Rhett Lewis of NFL Network is our guest. Rhett, you bring up Brock Bowers, and again, yep. for those that don't know, for the most part, unless it's for, from you, unless from Daniel Jeremiah, like guys like that, mocks yep. are usually tools. They're good offseason exercises. They aren't necessarily predictions but in the early stage as I'm trying to navigate through all of these I've seen Brock Bowers go as high as a top five pick I've seen him towards the 15 to 20 range is that Mm -hmm. more needs of the teams that are there based on these mocks that are being run or is it 
there's just other position groups like wideout that might just be too good to pass on, where if you're a team in that 12 to 20 range or 12 to 18 range, you might find a gem of a tight end. And I realize I'm asking the question that we've lost Rhett. So anyway, we'll get it back in a second. But Jake, that's what fascinates me the most with Brock Bowers, because it was brought up by James Boyd. I've heard it brought up by other people that follow the Colts. I've said it. The idea of having a perennial tight end or a tight end you can develop into a clear tight end one would be very tempting if he was there because it feels like with Goddard and others, that's how Shane Steichen would like to use a tight end. I'm really curious to see, you know, and, and interesting because Rhett does IU football, obviously, you know, Bill Mallory's grandson, Will Mallory. I, I, I really am curious with what he did last mm-hmm. year to see how he develops for them because you get the sense they want that too. I do kind of, I, I just, I think that they, I get the feeling at the tight end position that, by the way, I, so, so I'm trying to talk about the tight ends and all, and all I can hear over here is Eddie, Eddie is like Fred Flintstone. He's like got a, like a granite thing over here and he's chiseling away at the phone. Okay. He's working tirelessly to fix the phone and he's having to like take it apart. But no, I do feel like they they went through rotation of different tight ends and Mallory was the one that brought one thing that was different than the rest of the tight end room a little bit in terms of his receiving ability. But Rhett is back, so go ahead. Yeah, we, Rhett, we have you back. With Brock, we're back, baby. We're back and better than ever. With Brock Bowers, what would cause him to fall? Team need other position groups like wide receiver that would push him down? I know there's unpredictability of all this, but why would Brock Bowers have such a wild range at this point in the process based on mocks alone? Well, I think part of it is value um, in terms of like financially. I mean, like that's a big contract up there in the top 10. You know what I mean? Like relatively speaking in terms of rookies and, you know, how does that fit within, you know, your roster's contract structure, right? Like, do you, you know, are you a team that's already paying 45 to 50 million for a quarterback? Maybe you can't spend that type of money on a tight end spot, you know, knowing you've got a wide receiver coming up in a year or two, you know, I think, I, I think, those things do kind of come into consideration, um, you know, there with a, with a player like, like he is. I mean, he, look, he's a great player, and I think he's worthy of a, of a pick at number five, um, you know, or I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see him go, you know, in the 15th. Thinking about, you know, historically, TJ Hawkinson, you know, was a top 10 pick as a tight end and, you know, took him a, a year, two, three to really find his stride. Now he's one of the best in the league uh, on his second team playing for the Vikings. So, like, you know, we had a really good tight end class last year. And, like, look at what Sam Laporta's done and look at where he got drafted, right, in the second round. So I, I think, like, there are some historical things you look at. There's some logistical things you look at in terms of finances. But the, the athleticism and the player and the productivity, you know, you, you can't deny it with Bowers. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Lewis is our guest. I know it's a busy afternoon, so I appreciate the time from NFL Network, Rep. Before we let you go, I want to get your thoughts because you do do IU football on the radio on these airwaves. Kurt Signetti, uh, not shy on confidence. Your thoughts on the hire? (laughs) 
I, I will second that, uh, that statement right there, Jake. I mean, that is the one thing that is clear. And you know what? He's got a record to back it up. You know, he has been successful everywhere he has been. Now, say what you want about the level of competition and all that, but the fact that he can find ways to resurrect, in some cases, programs like what he did at Elon uh, and make them winning programs, I mean, speaks to what we need, what we are talking about here with the Hoosiers. I think it's going to be, you know, it's a stark contrast in style. And, and look, you know, uh, Tom Allen style, maybe not for everybody. Kurt Signetti style, maybe not for everybody. But for those that fit what Coach Sig is selling and will buy into it, uh, I, I think you're going to have a great chance to see a winner here, like really quickly. Like this does not, he's not around here to wait three years to get this team to a bowl game, to get this program to a bowl well, game. Well, he dipped in the portal to begin. And that, I mean, first you got to recruit your roster, but he got some guys in, right? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, we're talking about over 20 different guys that have come in from different schools around the country, a lot of them from James Madison, uh, including Elijah Surratt, uh, who was, you know, highly sought after uh, wide receiver from the – I think his wide receiver room is going to be incredible. Uh, getting Donovan McCauley back, getting Carter Smith back, and getting uh, Trent Howland back as well. Like, those were three of probably the top four guys that you wanted back from the portal um, that ended up uh, – you know, and Khalil Benson was probably one of those two, but he ended up going to Colorado. So, I think they did a great Great job kind of mixing, you know, getting some of the key contributors from last year back, bringing in fresh faces that are ready to compete and ready, you know, to display that toughness and that will to win that he's really talking about. This is, I, I think there's a lot to like. Let me just tell you one other thing. <clears throat> um, the coaching staff, I think, you know, there was a lot said, uh, you know, when he was making the hires and announcing them. I was like, oh, man, there's a lot of guys from JMU, a lot of Sunbelt, a lot of Group of Five. I'm like, I'm telling you what, I've had the chance personally to speak um, with our, our DC, our, our OC, Mike Shanahan, and quarterbacks coach Chino Sinceri. Those dudes are super impressive. Like, we're going to be lucky to keep Chino Sinceri around. Like, that's as a quarterbacks coach and co-offensive coordinator, um, he's going to be sought after because of how well he's going to do here. And, and both those, you know, Coach Shanahan, Coach, uh, coach Gaines, too, like, th- those guys are um, – Coach Haynes, excuse me, they're, they're – studs so I'm, I'm excited about what he's building feels like exciting times being built yeah. down at iu he's rent lewis you hear him for iu football it's color analyst over there of course sirius xm and on nfl network rent appreciate your time as always looking forward to the countdown to rent lewis 1.0 on the mock draft and yeah. no doubt we will have you on uh, many a time Let's or two between now and april all right guys have a good one